thankful for the sufficiency of Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Hey, I love white glove. Amen. I love white glove. Number one, I don't live in the dorms, so I love white glove. But I love, it's white glove, is that right? Today? Amen. Amen. It's good. You know, white glove got our room all back together. It, it really did. We, we were having problems in our room when I was a college student. White glove did it because we found things we had not seen that I thought my roommates had stolen. And uh, I found them then at White Glove. So I always thought White Glove was great. Now you say, Brother Scheller, it's really not that big a deal. All we did was just take everything out of the dorm and put it in our cars. I understand that. I remember that too. Thank God you got a car for White Glove. All right, Mom, Dad, I got to have a car down at college because we put all our stuff for White Glove in the car. So we got we to have that. And uh, I love White Glove. I think it's great. It's just nice to have a clean room one day out of the semester. I just think it's a really good thing. Tell you what else I love. I love Joshua camps, and I really do. Now, this summer, I did six weeks of camp. I had this incredible opportunity at Camp Kobiak to train the counselors. I've never done that before. Was there a whole week, and man, that was a great week. Then we went to Southland. Whoa, just absolutely love Southland. I love Brother Herbster, and that was just unbelievable. And then we had this incredible week, largest week of the summer, uh, that the Wilds had, and even amidst the COVID restrictions that they had, we were over a thousand teenagers. God just blessed in an amazing way. I got to do this camp in Arkansas at Fort Rock with the Duggars, and that was just the coolest uh, week that we had there. And uh, I'm missing another camp. But uh, then I did two weeks at Joshua Camps. Now I'm gonna tell you, the two weeks at Joshua Camps were the hardest two weeks of my entire summer. And of course, you know, besides being the speaker, then I'm leading a leadership or worldview camp or whatever. We just had a lot of really tough things happen. We're gonna talk today uh, in a message uh, about um, satanic battle and oppression. Well, I gotta tell you, the two weeks of Joshua camps was, I, I felt an oppression that I had not felt at any other camp that I was at, it just in my own life. I came back from the wilds sicker than a dog. I found out everyone at the wilds got COVID the week before. I don't know if I got it in those days, but I was very sick. Um, my first week here in Joshua camp, just dying. And uh, we, lost a, we lost a camp leader, we lost a speaker. Dean Miller had to do a funeral. I mean, when you lose a, a major speaker, uh, that's kind of a big deal. We just had so many things going on and it was the hardest two weeks. But I will tell you this, I believe this past summer, the two weeks of Joshua camp were the two most rewarding weeks of camps I've ever experienced in 40 years of doing camps. God just worked. And you know what? The man yesterday, we became weak and God became strong. And, and I, I will tell you, uh, I, think, I think anyone that was there at the campfire of the second week and heard those testimonies. I've never heard testimonies like that from teenagers in my entire life. And God just opened it up. I think we had two weeks of revival. Um, Dr. Getch did an incredible job. Eric Getch is one of the finest young preachers in America today. Eric's doing a super job. We had one guy, he was a little weak, but David Gibbs did okay. And uh, he's just unbelievable. I, and God is on him, God is on him. And we just had such freedom in the, the, the oppression did not come from the campers. It was just everything external that Satan was trying to do. 
And, uh, uh, but I, I will tell you, there's just no camp like Joshua Camp. I'd like to ask if you have ever attended Joshua Camp as a camper, or if you have ever been a counselor at Joshua Camp, would you stand for a moment? If you've ever been a camper, or if you've ever been a counselor, I, I want you to look at that. That's a, probably a third of our student body. I think more than a third of our student body. Thank you all very, very much. We know that a lot of students are here. Uh, because Joshua Camps was a touch. may not have been the only reason, but, but a touch. And we do, we do not apologize for that. Unlike all the other camps I was at, we can promote West Coast Baptist College as freely as we want. It's our camp, and we do. We don't do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, we're one of the few camps that still goes seven days, and I think there's something to that. But Joshua Camps is a camp that's a hybrid. We do everything else at camp. We divide the camp. We have competition. You're going to see that in a minute. We have competition between two teams, and we do all the things that other other camps do. We we take hikes. They do horseback riding. We we went swimming. We we did all that stuff. But I'll tell you what else. There is nothing, and I do camps all over America. There is nothing like a Joshua camp on a Friday night. There's just nothing. Because not only did they hear good preaching, not only did they make great decisions, not only did they leave with good memories like they do at all other camps, but they leave with a skill. They leave, they have developed something in their life that they can use for the cause of Christ when they get back home. And that's unlike any other camp I've done. They've either, they know how to defend their faith for, through worldview camp. They did 32 sessions during worldview camp on everything from self-harm to does God exist. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, we're not going to show the promo video um, of, of Joshua camps because I'm not going for campers. I'm going for counselors. And I, I struggled with doing this, but we had two campers put together a video at the end of the first week. And I went like, this is this Joshua camps. The campers are so engaged. Uh, whether it's the special, the, the campers are doing things at Joshua camp. Well, two campers put together this video uh, about the week at Joshua camp. And I just said, that was phenomenal. I, I think it was one of the best end of week reviews. And I said, you know what? I want to show it in college chapel. It's only about three minutes long. And uh, you're going to see your classmates who were counselors. Then after that, I've asked uh, Jordan, Hannah, and Noah uh, to give um, a little testimony about being a, a counselor. Now, we only need you for one or two weeks. And if you can put this in, now, i got to tell you, you know what we pay you? Nothing. And we don't. We don't pay our counselors a thing. They come, and they'll pay for their own expense to get here. We give them food, we give them lodging, and we give them 12 campers. But we don't give you anything. There's no scholarships. You come for the week or you come for the two weeks, you're coming as a missionary. And you're going to, but I will tell you, I don't think your life will ever be the same. There is an energy, there is a spirit at Joshua Camps that's just really electric. And it's because we got the best counselors in all the world because they're from West Coast. So we're going to watch the video. And then right away, then Jordan, if you'd come on up. Uh, I think all three of you guys come on up. Okay, we'll do Jordan, Hannah, and then Noah.
Um, so uh, this past summer was my second time doing Joshua Camp. Um, one thing I learned was teenagers, uh, they want truth. Um, and I feel like they want influence, especially from um, people our age. And there's just a lack of that, of that mentorship or the, the opportunity to influence teenagers because um, they're, they're, they're seeking it. Um, they, they were so open. Uh, they were asking questions. Um, but I think the one thing I learned is that they want it from people our age. Um, they're so open to people our age who they, they're like, hey, what about this? Or well, what about, like, why do you give your life to God? You know, and uh, what Dr. Scheller said by the, the camp is uh, seven days, and you see it. You see how closed up they are. And by day seven, you've, you've influenced, you've, you've done tug of war with them, you've done crossing the Jordan with them, and the, the, they, that wall just goes down and they're just asking you questions from left and right, and you see them making decisions, um, but they're watching, they're watching the counselors. And that it's just an amazing thing, and that's the one thing I've learned, um, is that teenagers, yes, they, they can be pretty crazy, um, but they're seeking truth, and they want truth from people our age. Um, and I challenge you guys to be counselors. Um, yes, it's hard. Um, you're dead by Monday night. Uh, your voice is gone by Sunday night. You're screaming. Um, you're, you're going crazy. Um, so yes, it's hard. Um, and yes, you don't get money, um, but you get something better. You learn how to serve. Uh, you learn how to that you literally, you, knowing that you're not getting anything, but you're giving everything of yourself. You're giving your time. You know, you're not going to bed till 12, 1 o'clock. You're up by 6 in the morning already. Uh, and it's just a constant busyness. You know, so you're giving your time, and you're giving your, what you've learned here. Um, how many times we had to counsel people, or uh, the teenagers, about certain subjects? Um, and you just get to just use what you're learning here. Um, so if you want to challenge yourself by giving, um, knowing that you're not going to get anything in return, but you're going to give everything of your life, of, of yourself, uh, I challenge you, please, be a counselor um, because it's worth it. Good morning, everybody. Um, I don't know about you, but that video just... Other, as other, all my other counselors in here can agree, just got me, brought me back this summer. Um, it was just so amazing and rewarding just seeing everything and just seeing how God worked in these kids' lives. Um, one of the things that I learned this summer from Joshua Camps is just God's strength. By Wednesday, you are completely dead. Like, it's like trying to wake up as like a, a walking zombie, honestly. It's just, but by God's strength, and a couple of energy drinks, I'll admit. Um, <laughs> God was able to use each and every single one of us counselors, and we were, we did, he, he was able to use us in ways beyond comprehension. Um, it taught us how to connect and build relationships with the upcoming generation, because that is so important. Us as the future leaders, we need to realize how to make those connections and those relationships. Why I would suggest becoming a Joshua Camps counselor is you get to see answered prayer. That's a, one of the biggest things that I learned also. Um, going into Joshua Camps, I prayed 
so much for my campers, my fellow counselors, my co-counselor, and through those prayers, God did some miraculous works. It was so rewarding to see um, every night just kids go down the aisle and make decisions about their life, decisions that will last. Whether or not they think about it in the next week or the next month, those decisions that they made in their heart, they will last. And we as counselors got to be a small part of that experience and a small part of that process. Another great thing that I think you should become a counselor for is you get to have a personal relationship with the staff here on campus. Um, and that's just a really, really great thing because I feel like I have a deeper, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I have a deeper uh, knowledge of just what Dr. Shetler goes through for these kids and what all the staff goes through for these kids. And I get to have a deeper relationship with my fellow co-counselors who serve here at West Coast Baptist College. Those people who just stood up, I got to serve with them and I got to know more about them in the two weeks than I have almost this whole semester of college, the whole, almost the whole year of college. And I don't know about you guys, but that's just so rewarding to see. And finally, honestly, the biggest thing, I know I'm supposed to go, I'm so sorry is the reward. There is a great reward in just seeing those kids make those decisions. If you guys want to challenge yourselves, you will see a reward, and not from money, but from just a fruit that it will abound. Good morning, guys. And one thing that I learned during Joshua Camps is that we truly don't fully understand what these kids and what high schoolers are going through. And me, just graduating high school uh, three years ago now, I thought I, was, I thought I understood everything. And I heard about this group of kids that came in. They were the troublemakers. It was well known before they got there that they were going to be the troublemakers. And I came in with a spirit of hesitancy of how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? And things did not start to change until I really just started to pour my heart out to God and pray for them. And it was when I started praying for them that I had the, I had the opportunity to counsel almost their entire youth group every day after I, every message that week. And I started finding out just struggles that these kids are going through. They needed someone that was gonna care about them and love on them and talk to them. And I learned that you, truly, you can't judge someone's heart. You can't assume what someone's heart is, but you just, you have to invest in people, you have to love on people. And if there's one thing I could encourage, um, just for counselors to be a counselor this coming summer, it would be that I was during, I was part of the Lancaster internship this summer and we did everything from pouring sand into stop signs and being counselors of camps and then leading youth rallies and there is no question in my mind that the two weeks of Joshua camps are the two weeks of that internship that prepared me the most for ministry whether it was interacting with people leading people just learning how to love on people and being there for them there's nothing that you can do this summer that will prepare you more for ministry and if you have a heart for camp ministry but you don't have the time to commit maybe 10 weeks and give $500, come out for a week, come out for two weeks. You're not gonna get much, but it's a small portion of your summer that you can give to God for his honor and his glory to mentor these kids. Amen. Hey, let's give these guys a hand. That was good. Amen. Amen.
If you're at all interested, right after chapel today, Brother Williams will be down here, not for a meeting. He will hand you an application to be a counselor. If there's any interest, that application doesn't mean I'm definitely going to do Joshua Camps. But we do need to get moving on getting our counselors. We had the best group, and we had a large group. So if you think, you know what, I do think that could fit for a week or two. See Brother Williams afterwards, and uh, he'll have an application that you can at least take, and there'll be some meetings uh, down the road more of an interest. Take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number six. Nehemiah chapter number six. You know, I thought yesterday was one of the best messages on weakness I've ever heard. And really God spoke to my heart uh, in that message as he has this semester in chapel. But you know, I was thinking um, in that passage, uh, it was the thorn of the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. It was Satan who took that thorn in the flesh and hit um, the Apostle Paul with that. And I want to talk to you today about winning over the wicked's wiles. Winning over the wicked's wiles. Now, I got you turned to Nehemiah chapter 6 and put something right there in your Bible, but now I need you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, we're, our, we're, our study is going to be in Nehemiah 6, but I want you to look real quickly at Ephesians chapter 6, three verses that are familiar to you. We absolutely need to pray and ask God uh, to help us with this message. I do not think we should hear many messages about the devil. I do not think we should give him, no pun intended, the airtime. I don't think that we should uh, talk a lot about Satan. I really don't. But I do believe you need to hear some messages about the wiles of the devil and what he does do. I think that's important. We're going to see an incredible Old Testament example of the way that Satan works in people's lives. Now, we're coming up to Spiritual Leadership Conference and I want to tell you, and we're coming to that part of our semester now, that there is a battle going on in this campus. I, I tell you this, there's probably more of a spiritual battle going on here than UCLA or USC. Satan's got all them already. Satan doesn't have you. This is, and then next week, there is such a spiritual battle going on in some of these pastors' lives. Their marriages, their staff. And I, some of them are about ready to throw it away, throw it in. Some are about ready to give up. Some are going through an incredible battle back in their home. And you know what? The principalities are going to be here next week. I think they're here constantly because I think you are key for Satan to go after. And I want to give you some of the wiles uh, of the devil and how to win over those very quickly. But <clears throat> let's look at these three verses, and then we are going to study. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. But I want to uh, read these three. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to winning over the, wild, the wicked's wilds. All right, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his, everyone together, might. might. It's his might, not ours. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able, help me out here, be able to stand against the, what's the next word? Wiles. Greek word is the word we get methods from. The Greek word as the idea or is the word like methodical. It has the idea of methods. So when we read wiles, we are looking at the methods of the devil. And I do think that ought to be taught. 
I don't want to spend much time on Satan. I don't want to talk a lot about the devil. But it is important to understand the methods that he uses, the wiles of the devil. Four, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, college students, but against, and this next word's important. What is a principality? It is a prince over a palate. What does that mean? It is some authoritative jurisdiction position over an area. I don't think there's a question in pastoring two churches and being here for eight and a half years in 42 years of ministry, wherever I've been, I believe I have been in contact and in conflict with the principalities of that area. I don't think there's a question that there was a principality over Pensacola. I don't even question that. I know there was a principality in Santa Maria against Valley Christian Academy and First Baptist Church. And I'll tell you, I've been here for eight and a half years. And there are principalities on this, against this ministry and against this college. There are jurisdictions. Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is not omniscient. But he's very organized. He has certain wiles that he uses. He understands college students. He understands 2021. He understands Generation Z very well. And there are principalities that are assigned to attack you. There may be a principality that's assigned to Sisk, to Lawrence, to Malone. Absolutely. It is organized and there is a battle going on spiritually for you. We've got to understand the wiles of the devil. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to see how we can win. Aren't you glad? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're on the victorious side, but you need to understand his methods. You need to understand how you can be victorious. This is not a defeated message at all. We are the victors, but you better understand how he uses his methods. Father, I pray that you'll be with this time that we have. I ask in Jesus' name that students that may be struggling in a battle they don't even understand would understand better today the wiles of the devil. I am thankful that the accuser of the brethren has been defeated, but he is still very active using his methods. Lord, these students struggle with all three of these ways that he does this. And I pray, Lord, that they will be more knowledgeable. They will be weak in their own strength because this is a warfare that they cannot fight. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. Father, this is a spiritual warfare that you know all about. May these students be more acquainted with it today and be more trusting in you and your power in order to fight this battle. There's students here that are thinking about suicide. There's students here that are in valleys they should not be in as, as children of God. There's students here thinking about quitting. Father, the wiles of the devil has affected them. They're not thinking right. May we understand how to defeat these three methods of Satan by truth, by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. And God's children said, amen. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter number six. Now, this is very important. 
To win his goals, he has these methods. The goals are lies and fear. It's kind of his offense and his defense. You know, any team's got an offense and a defense, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whatever, whether it's basketball, you have an offense and you have a defense. Well, his offense, defense are lies and fears. And what he does with those is the ultimate goal is to win, and that is your destruction. And he does, so he has lies and fears. However, how does he get those lies into you? How does he get those fears into you? He comes in three methods. He comes as a serpent. He comes as a lion. And he comes as an angel of light. These are the three methods that Satan uses to bring lies and fears into our life. If he can get lies and fears into our life, he will destroy our lives. How do you get lies and fears in a child of God? You come as a serpent, you come as a lion, and you come as an angel of light. If you have never seen this before, this is an amazing passage. And you're like, whoa, this is good. Nehemiah chapter 6, Satan tries all three against Nehemiah to stop the wall. Now, look at chapter 6, verse number 1. i got to take a little bit on historical background here. Now it came to pass. Now it came to pass. Well, a lot has come to pass. There's been a lot of things going on in this story already. Let's do a general historical of where we are right now because this is huge. Israel had been in captivity for 70 years. They come back to Jerusalem in three waves. Zerubbabel is going to rebuild the temple. Ezra is going to preach the word. And Nehemiah is going to build a wall. But it's interesting. The first group comes back. Zerubbabel's a great guy. He's a great king. He comes back, and they start rebuilding the temple. And, you know, you got, the, this, you, know, you got people that are going, oh, it doesn't look like Solomon's temple. And, 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 and we got the cheerleader of the Bible gets up there, and Haggai gets them going and going like, man, guys, this is God's will. Man, we got to rebuild the temple. We got to get this temple going. And he kind of takes the practical side, and then you got the spiritual guy, Zechariah, says, we've got to rebuild the temple because... This is going to be the temple that the Yeshua HaMashiach is going to walk in one day. So we got to get it built because the Messiah is going to come into this. So you got Haggai and, and Zechariah, and they get the temple going, you know, and that's under Zerubbabel. And after they get the temple built, they have revival, right? No. Because you don't have revival by a building, you need a what? You need a preacher. So God brings this next guy, this guy Ezra. Boy, he's a good one too. And Ezra comes. He brings another wave. And Ezra comes and he gets there. And boy, these people haven't heard the word of God. And boy, oh, Ezra, he gets up and he preaches. And Ezra lets it go. And then they have revival. They got the temple and they got Ezra. And now they got revival, right? No. Well, they, they got the house of God and they got the man of God. But there's something that's missing. And I'm telling you, young people, you don't get this. It is the walls 
of protection. That inside those walls, revival and freedom can take place. And there's a third group that has come. Nehemiah brings a third group, and in 52 days, they build walls. They build really one wall. But now, Jerusalem is a fortified city. You know, it's interesting. Tobiah and Sambalat really don't care about Ezra. They don't really care about that the temple's been rebuilt. None of them are, are. But when the walls... Brother Scheller, where are you heading with this? I'll tell you where. When you start putting walls of protection around your life, when you start separating yourself from the world, when you start separating yourself from the flesh, the devil's going to get interested then. The devil is not interested in what's happening in Jerusalem until the walls are built. You know what? I know, guys. Trust me. I've been around. I've been in ministry 42 years. I know all this stuff about separation. Oh, separation, separation. What a negative word. Let me tell you something. We will never experience separation. In personal separation comes when we start putting up the four. You know what? You are not going to see revival as long as you got this gaping hole into your heart of pornography. It doesn't matter everything else you're doing. You gotta get it cleaned up. You gotta put some walls of protection. By the way, soon to be pastors and youth pastors, there isn't anything you're gonna do more in the ministry than building walls of protection around your your flock, your sheep. You gotta protect them from the world and the flesh and the devil. But boy, when the walls go up, now we got a problem. Now Satan is gonna come. And I wanna tell you this, college students, some of you are developing some walls of protection from the world. You have grown spiritually. You have built up some things. Well, I just want you to know, you are now a major target. And I have learned this in life. The closer you get to God, the closer the devil will get to you. The closer you move towards God, Satan's going to... If you're far from God, Satan's far from you. But if you're close to God, Satan's right there. And that's, that's the setting. When it says, now it came to pass, whoa, a lot has come to pass. When Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall. See, they're not, they don't, they're not even listening. They're not paying attention until, boy, she finally came down to the altar yesterday and got right with God. She decided to be weak. Got to get on her. Let's go, principalities. You better attack her this week, and you better get her down back in that moody, de depressed state again. She actually came forward yesterday and said she was weak and that she needs God's grace. We can't let that be happening. They, we, they're starting to really think that spiritual leadership conference may be for them. That can't be happening. We got to stop that. I am telling you, there is more of a spirit. If you saw the spiritual warfare that is happening on this campus and in this chapel and in, in your lives right now, you'd go like, wow. Boy, Brother Shell, I thought it was a playground. No, it is a battleground. And there is a battle for you. There is such a... What, Brother Shell, why do you come back here? Why are you still staying with this college? Because I'm telling you. The warfare is not just out there. The warfare is about you and for you. They heard, hey, the walls are getting up. Ooh, I don't care about the temple. I don't care about this Ezra guy. They're starting to protect themselves. And if they start protecting themselves, they're going to be able to, they're going to, be able to fortify themselves, and they're going to become strong. 
under those walls of protection and separation. Now it's time to get going. Now notice it says that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach. That's a cool word. It's the word gap that you're familiar with in Ezekiel, um, in Ezekiel 22:30, where he says, I sought for a man among them to stand in the gap. I think he found them there with Nehemiah. I just thought that was kind of a cool word there because they, now they, they builded up the walls and they took care of the breach. Uh, there was a man that stood in the gap, and that was Nehemiah. Um, though at that time, I had not set up the doors upon the gate. Everything's not done yet. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not perfect yet. Everything's not finished yet, but we're going the right direction. That's Sanballat and Geshem. Now, he comes first as a serpent. And the purpose of coming as a serpent is compromise. And I don't know if you write notes in chapel, but if you do, write that down. The purpose of coming as a serpent is compromise. What he wants you to do is compromise. Go from best to good. To just make an agreement. Just make an agreement with the world, your flesh. Do not die to your flesh. Make a compromise with your flesh. Learn how to live with your flesh. Learn how to accept, you know, put some parameters around the flesh. Let's do some compromise. College student, Satan will come and try to get you to make compromise. He will come as a serpent to do this. So look at this. So Sam Bellin and Geshem sent unto me saying, hey, 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 come let us. Okay, now the next two words are just too good. Let us meet. Let us meet. That word, by our King James translators, is found in another place you guys are familiar with. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? The word agreed is the word meet here. So what is Sanballat and Tobiah trying to do? Hey, let's get common ground Let's agree on a few things in Jerusalem. Let's sit down and agree on a few things. Now, college students, get this. The greatest desire in Christianity in America today is not to convert the world. It is to agree with the world. And we got to stop that. We do not agree with the world. The world is not what you are. You are a peculiar person. You're a royal priesthood. You do not agree with the world. I always get a kick out of that, that David and Goliath thing. Every day this nine foot six inch giant comes down to the valley and says, give me one man and we'll fight it out. And they're all like, we don't have a nine foot six inch giant. Why do you have to let the world determine the conditions? Why do we let the world? The giant comes out every day, give me a man. Okay, here's what we're doing tomorrow. Tomorrow, Bert, you take 500 Israelites and you go over there, Rasmussen, you go around the back end, you do that. Tomorrow, we're taking 500 people down there, 500 warriors. When the big boy comes out, just go out there and kill him. We don't have to do what the world says. Why do we have to fight the, war the way the world says? I want to tell you something. This is what's going on here. Hey, let's get some agreement on some things. Okay, you're going to do your little Christian thing. But let's agree on some things. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Yeah, we don't walk with the world. So we don't agree with the world. So we're not meeting. 
Now, the next word is incredible. The next word is the Hebrew word akhat. Now, that, if you're in my Bible doctrines class, you know what that means. We believe in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says the Lord thy God is one Lord, one God. But that word is a cot. It means one as a unit, one together. Do you see what they're saying here? They said, hey, 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 Nehemiah, boy, you're quite the guy, Nehemiah. You're doing real, this is how a serpent works. This is his subtlety. You know, you, you know Nehemiah, you're doing a really good job. Nehemiah, we need to get together and we need to find out where we agree on some things about what's going to happen with Jerusalem here in the future. We need to agree on saying, and we need to become one. We need to unify and become one. And Nehemiah knows that this is the serpent. And look at what he does. He says that Sambaladadadadada, meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. I love that. I just see Nehemiah saying, oh no, I'm not going to Ono. Oh no. But they thought to do me mischief. They're going to kill me. That's the idea there. Now look what he does. And I sent messengers. We're coming back to that. Unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort. Okay. He comes first of all, Satan comes first of all, his first disguise to get lies and fears in you. He comes as a what? Everyone together? Serpent. A serpent. That was terrible. He comes as a what? Serpent. He comes as a serpent. And he's going for what? What is his goal as a serpent? Compromise. So how do we attack him? What do we do? How do we handle the, 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 the methods and the wiles of the devil? How do we win over the serpent? Number one, know your enemy. He knew this was an enemy. No, 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 no. I'm not agreeing with you. You're the enemy. We don't agree with the enemy. We don't compromise with the enemy. No, 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 no. We're not compromising with the enemy. Number one, know your enemy. Number two, know your scriptures. Know your scriptures. Yeah, I love the word messengers. He responds. It's not like, you know, I'm not even going to talk to you. He responds with messengers. And you know what I think? A great parallel there. The messengers are the scriptures. Listen. When Satan comes to you as a serpent, you better know he's your enemy. And number two, you better be able to fight him with truth. I love Jordan's testimony. I do believe you come to, you come to Joshua Cam's, you learn truth. And I got to tell you, I thought Jordan knocked it out of the park, what he said. Listen to this. He said, I think teenagers want to hear truth from who? Do you remember what he said? Truth from us. And you know what? I mean, they'll listen to an old, fat, white, 64-year-old guy. But I'm going to tell you something. You get a 21-year-old truth, people will, the, the, your, your generation and those teens will listen to you greater than they'll listen to me. you got to send messengers. you got to know the scriptures. Because that Satan is, he, he is subtle. And he's going for compromise. You better, number one, you know your enemy. Number two, you know your scriptures. And number three, you know your purpose. You know your purpose. The only way to stop this serpent guy is to know your purpose. Hey, 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 Sam Bella, Tobiah, I am doing a great work. And I am not coming down for no one or nothing. I'm not coming down at all. College students, I can see by the time we ain't going to go much further than this. So I want you to get this today anyways in chapel.
What you are doing at this college is a great work. You are in a great place and you're doing a great work. Don't you come down off that wall because he's a serpent and he's tried to get you to agree with the world and become unified. You stay away from certain things on that. And man, you know what? You don't need to be on that social media all the time. You're doing a great work here. God has called you to a great place and you're doing a great work for the cause of Christ and for the kingdom. You don't get down from that wall. You don't come down for that wall for anyone or anything. You say, you know what, Lord? You got me on this wall. God, this is a calling that you've given me and I'm not coming down. Know your enemy, know your scriptures and know your purpose. I just want to tell you, verses five through nine, he comes as a lion. Ah. Oh, now the fifth letter's an open letter, and he just bangs them. You know, they go, you're doing this to rebel against the king, and you're going against them. You know what? That is not true. Nehemiah says, no. And now, verses 5 through 9, Satan comes as a lion to destroy. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, uh, the lion, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh in whom he may devour. Let me tell you how you overcome the lion. You confront him immediately. You can, boy, you look at that word then in verse number eight. As soon as he came as a lion, then I sent on to him saying, no, no. When they come, when those come as those fears and those lies come that you're overwhelmed with, you confront it immediately. I do a thing called the four second rule. When those lies come in, oh, I'm no good or this or whatever it is that overcomes you. When Satan gives you those lies that are like a lion, Confronted immediately, number two, cry out to God. Look what he does. He cries out to God. Oh, God, strengthen my hands in verse number nine. Oh, God, he cries. And when the Satan comes and attacks you as a lion, maybe you're in your bed one night, it's 1.30 in the morning, and you are overcome with fears, and you sense an evil in your room. Let me tell you something. You confront it immediately. No, in the name of Jesus Christ, this is not right, and that is not true, and that is not what is happening in my life. And get out of this room right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan. You do not have authority on this campus. Confront, cry, and then commit completely. And that's what he does. He gets back to the work. That's the way to light. And then finally, as an angel of light, verses 10 through 14, this one is, oh, this is a whole message in itself. He comes as an angel of light, and he comes as a Shemiah guy. And he says, Nehemiah, they're all after you. They're trying to kill you. Nehemiah, come into the house of the Lord. You'll be safe. You'll be, oh, by the way, under lion, his, his job is to condemn. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to do compromise with serpent. He's trying to condemn as a lion. But this one is really subtle. Come on inside the house of the Lord. Let's talk about the things of God, and you'll be safe here. The goal as an angel of light is to get you conceited. You say, oh, you said that because it was a C word. Yeah, I did. But let me tell you when I looked it up. Conceited means an exaggerated, self-important view of yourself. An exaggerated self-importance of you. And that's what Satan's trying to get you to do. Nehemiah, you are the man. Come on in to the house of the Lord. He says, I love what he responds. 
And he said, look at verse 11. And, he, and, and I said, should such a man as I flee? No, 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 no. And who is there that being I am would go into the temple to save his life? I have no right to be in the temple. I'm not a priest. I'm not going into that, that, that house of God, that holy place. I'm not going in there. I don't have the right. No, Nehemiah, you're the man. They wouldn't have this built right now if it wasn't for you. And you know what the, Satan as an angel of life gets you to do? He just kind of builds you up. I loved yesterday's message because you need to be weak. You need to see your, you know, some of, some of us get so, yeah, I am in Jesus. And boy, I'll tell you, because I'm in Jesus. And you know, the angel of light can fool with you on that too. You need to stay humble. And Nehemiah, and here's how I put that, a divine discernment that only comes from daily duties. you got to live right every day to discern it. Because he says, look at verse 12, I perceive. Where do you get that kind of perception, Nehemiah? I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I can, I can see it. Number two, you plead for God's help. Boy, his prayer is just amazing. And then you keep doing what you know you're supposed to do, that this work was wrought of God at the end of it. At the end, they all had to admit, you know what, God did that. God did that. College students, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the devil. I really don't. And our biggest problem in our life is ourselves. You look in the mirror, that's your biggest problem. But I do know this. You're a 19-year-old. You're 20 years old. I am telling you, Satan is after you. And he wants to flood you with fears and lies. And the way he's going to do that is he's going to come as a serpent, he's going to come as a lion, and he's going to come as an angel of light. And if you, I want to encourage you, I'll give you some homework, hope in a project, here you go. Continue to study this passage of scripture, seeing him as a serpent, a lion, and an angel of light. And I'm going to tell you something, God will speak to you and he'll begin to give you the discernment that you need.